Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another episode of State Lines, Illinois' number one pro football gambling program. Although we are outside of football season, there is still a lot to talk about around the state. I am your host, John Spataro, alongside producer Kevin, Kevin Berger, who is sitting in for Jason Gotch, who has taken some time off, and it's a great time of year to do just that with all the games that are on all weekend long. I mean, we just came off one of the best weekends for sports fans of the year. We had the first round of the NCAA tournament. Looked a little bit different this year. We were used to it starting on Thursday, then going to Friday with uh, second round games on Saturday and Sunday. This year we had Friday jam-packed, Saturday jam-packed, and then second round games on Sunday and Monday. A little bit of a different uh, format. Some people liked it, some people didn't. But one thing that we can't ignore, we can't go any further into this program without talking about it, are the fighting Illini. And if you listened to the last episode we did two weeks ago, you would absolutely know that myself and Jason Gotch had a lot of high hopes for the Illini team. We thought that they were going to be a legitimate championship contender and a great season. However, it's always going to be remembered about what you do in the tournament. And unfortunately, the Illini are out. They lost to the in-state rival Loyola Chicago Ramblers on Sunday. It was the first game out of the shoot on Sunday morning. And what a game it was. I mean, I, I don't think you could really play a better game than Loyola Chicago did to beat the Illini. Io DeSumo and Kofi Coburn did just about everything they could uh, to try and get the Illini over the top, although I think when you look back on that game, you're going to say that they did not do enough to get their team uh, into the Sweet 16. And Porter Moser, I mean, I said this two weeks ago, you got to believe that his phone's going to be ringing off the hook uh, for winning yet another uh, set of NCAA tournament games, and likely more. We'll see. We'll get into some uh, team futures talking about who we think going to make it to the championship game out of the Sweet 16 in just a little bit. But Kevin, I got to bring you on for your first shot here on State Lines. I got to know, what did, what did you see in that game between the Illini and Loyola Chicago? How do you feel about the Illini as a whole? And is their season tainted? I mean, after a, a week showing here in the big dance? Well, John, first of all, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, I mean, to get straight to the point, John, I saw two completely different coach teams i mean loyola they they came out there and they looked like they were a team that was well prepared and that had a plan for who was going to be put in front of them um i mean loyola going into this tournament i don't know john if a lot of people just didn't do their research or not but loyola coming into this tournament was arguably no not arguably the best defensive team in the entire country they were first in fewest points given up per game they were second in defensive rating they were in the top 30 in offensive rating and they had experience and experience come tournament time it it it, it does wonders for a club i mean look at lucas williamson and cameron crutwig the two um the two leading scorers for Loyola in that game, they were both on the Final Four team that Loyola, when they went to the Final Four a couple of years ago, they were both on that team. They were both freshmen, if I remember correctly. I believe Cameron Krutwig, I know at least, was a freshman. So they looked like a team that was well-prepared. They knew what they had to do, and they went out, and they scored the first two points of the game, and they never looked back. Illinois, they looked like they were not prepared to play this game. 
Um, I mean, Kofi Coburn, he, I, I would agree with you. He did as much as he possibly could. 21-9, and nine, you can't really argue with that in 32 minutes of action. Now, I know Io DeSumo, yeah, did he have a fantastic showing? No. Does that mean that this should really affect his draft stock? No. Do I believe that this Illini season is tainted? Honestly, I don't think it's tainted because of the players themselves. Uh, honestly, John, I would put more of the blame for this particular loss on um, Brad Underwood and the Illinois coaching staff because it looked like Illinois had not scouted Loyola at all in this game. They did. They just did not look prepared to go out and face this Loyola team. Um, and as you said, it was a fantastic season that Illinois had. I mean, they took it to a number of teams in the Big Ten, which I think most people would agree is probably the number one basketball conference in the country. I know some people would say argue the ACC, but from top to bottom, I think the Big Ten has more talent, and, the, and Illinois did do an exceptional job. I mean, they knocked off the at the time the number one, the number two team in the country in Michigan, and beat them by thirty without their best player. But what have you done for me lately? As you said, the season could be tainted with the tournament. Should it be tainted? I don't think so. Will it though? Probably. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there's a lot at play here, and you mentioned, you know, if you're going to blame somebody, uh, consider blaming Brad Underwood, and I think that's a fair criticism. Uh, not necessarily that he did a, an overall bad job, but he definitely got outcoached by Porter Moser, and I think that a lot of people people will. And if you haven't been following him since they went to the Final Four, I heard a great interview with him on Chicago Sports Radio uh, over this past week, and he basically was asked, you know, the way he goes about his recruiting and what he looks for, and they he was asked pretty much point blank why don't you go out and try to get a one and done kind of guy I mean you're in a big city Chicago's a great place to play basketball it's a basketball city to begin with although all the Chicago schools have a problem retaining the talent that comes out of this state and this uh, city in particular uh, but Moser basically said I'm looking for guys that want to play for four years that want to fit into my system and if you look at the way that this team is constructed Cameron Crutwig being a senior is kind of the superstar of that team nobody else on the Ramblers averages more than nine points a game they are a true balanced team that runs plays that has absolutely uh, a, an idea of what they're trying to do on every possession which if we've watched a decent amount of these tournament games now I think it's pretty easy to say that uh, you know running plays in in college basketball might be on its way out it's so much more of a work to get a good three look and then try and get an offensive rebound or a quick putback uh, type game there's really no more setting up you know a, a, a consistent offense every possession except for uh, the way that Loyola plays and it got it done for them you mentioned uh the conference uh element and i and i gotta touch on this because the big 10 has just completely fallen through the floor when it comes to uh you know prestige in this specific ncaa tournament i mean they were talking and we were even talking about it two weeks ago about them possibly uh deserving three of the number one seeds i mean with michigan ohio state illinois purdue all these teams had great regular seasons you thought it was poised to be a big 10 every year and now here we we sit and Michigan is the last man standing and I got to give credit to my conference the conference of champions I'm a proud Pac-12 alumni so I have to give credit to what nobody saw coming which was the Pac-12 going uh five of six uh five of their six teams excuse me 
four of their five teams making it into the Sweet 16. I don't think anybody saw that coming. And it really just goes to show you this year was bound to be full of parity because we just didn't know what teams were made of. I mean, some teams played limited schedules. Some teams played start and stop schedules. It's just been a ridiculous year. So to expect, you know, chalk across the board, I think was silly of us all. I have to admit, even myself fell for it. I had Ohio State winning the national championship. I thought they were going to get it done. And they lost to Oral Roberts, kind of the the darling uh, upset of uh, the entire tournament. We'll see how far they go. But Kevin, I got I to gotta get your opinion on some of the performances of the conferences as a whole, like you mentioned. Is it uh, a problem for the NCAA tournament going forward that they you know, are giving too much credence to some of these conferences and overloading based on the regular season performance? Should they be taking into account you know, tournament records. I mean, it's hard to judge a team year over year, but when you look at the way that this year shook out, I, I mean, it, it may have just been a grand injustice that uh, Loyola Chicago was an eight seed and that Illinois had to play them in the second round. I mean, that's pretty unfair for a, a number one seed to have to go against a, a, an in-state rival one and two, uh, a coach like Porter Moser. Should the, the Ramblers, even though they play in the Missouri Valley, even though they had a handful of losses on the year, do they have a chance at cracking a four or five or a, a higher seed? Or are we locked into, you know, conference conference prestige overall? The Big Ten's going to get their teams. The ACC is going to get theirs. And we're going to just perennially watch these teams get over or underseeded and lead, lead to a bunch of uh, inequality in the tournament. Well, John, it's a great question, and I'm glad you asked because I, I think Loyola was not the only victim of um, seeding, I will say seeding fraud. I know it's not it's not the right word, but that that's the term that I'm going to use, and I think a good portion of that has to do with COVID. I mean, you, you brought up the tournament, the, the Conference of Champions. John, the Pac-12 champion Oregon State Beavers, who, mind you, are one of the teams that are still in, came in as a 12th seed. How in all that is holy do you have a Power 5 conference champion as a 12th seed in the NCAA tournament? It does not make any sense to me. Now, I understand they were only 7 of 12. They're only 7 of 11 in, or 7 and 11 in Pac-12 play. They're only 18 and 13 overall with a total record over the course of the season. They finished 8th in the Pac-12 conference. However, they won their conference tournament. How do you have the Pac-12 champions as only a 12th seed? I would also agree with you with the Missouri Valley that the Missouri Valley is not a scrub conference when it comes to basketball. I mean, they there are some very respectable teams that have some very good competition in conferences like the Missouri Valley. And yeah, I think it was criminal that, that Loyola was an 8th seed. I also do think it was very, very interesting that they seeded Loyola and Illinois to both play each other in the second round so i thought that was i thought that was a little suspect um i mean then we got to look at other at other factors as well i mean vcu they they looked very good and very strong in or in their conference tournament and they didn't even end up playing their first game because of COVID. so oregon didn't even have to play their first game against them because they didn't even play also the other thing that it and it's just concerning is also there's one conference, John, that nobody else has talked about that um, the Ivy League, the Ivy League didn't even send a representative at all. They said that they weren't sending anybody at all. So there was one conference that was completely left out 
which gave an extra spot to somebody else who may or may not have deserved to be in the tournament. So I I don't really know the answer to that. I would like to say that I think they should um, bring up past performances when it comes to selecting some of these teams and where the seeds are going to fall. But if that's the case, then we're going to see, regardless of what happens, we're going to see the same teams are going to be in the top seeds. You're going to see your Michigan States, your Kansases, your Dukes, well, with the exception of this year, your North Carolinas, your Syracuses, etc. You're going to see the same old suspects and the same old seeds all the time. Um, and I saw a very interesting question that was posed on one of the uh, panel talk shows on, I believe it was ESPN, whether it was yesterday or two days ago, asking, is this good or bad for the NCAA with all these upsets? John, this is why we watch the NCAA tournament. This is why no matter how much time and in, if, if you're like me, money, you invest into creating brackets, building pools, doing your research, etc., even if it blows up in your face in a matter of less than 24 hours, this is why we watch it because there is nothing like it in the world of sports anywhere else in the world. Because this is the NCAA tournament is the true definition of any given Sunday. Any team could win. There is no best of seven or anything like that. It's one game you win or you go home. And that's why we love it so much. I think you're absolutely right about that. It's the one-and-done nature, win-or-go-home thrill, if you will, that makes these games so exciting, and they certainly have been exciting in the first few rounds of the NCAA tournament. You're listening to State Lines. I am John Spataro, Kevin Berger alongside with me in place of Jason Gotch this week. And, Kevin, it's time to move on to what we're here to do, which is uh, uh, prospect and or uh, actually select some of the bets that are on the board as it pertains to the remaining 16 teams uh, in the NCAA tournament. A lot of the games are going to be played starting on Saturday, uh, this coming Saturday, uh And then uh, Sunday and Monday will be the Elite Eight, uh, and then we will have the Final Four set by then. So uh, let's take a look at who's on the board and at what odds. Uh, You were mentioning Oregon State. Uh, Yes, a team that barely got in. They had to win the conference tournament in the Pac-12 to do so, but certainly have been a force in the tournament. They have the longest odds uh, to be the champion at the end of this NCAA tournament at 5,000 plus 5,000. UCLA, another Pac-12 mate below them at plus 4,000. So is Creighton. Villanova plus 3,300. Oregon Ducks plus 3,300 as well. USC plus 2,500. Arkansas plus 2,000. Florida State plus 1,500. Loyola Chicago is plus 1,300, although we cannot bet on Loyola Chicago here in Illinois. And then you get into what I would consider the teams that people believe uh, have the biggest chance to win the tournament. Alabama plus 1,100. Houston plus 900. Michigan plus 750. Baylor plus 350. And the odds on favorite Gonzaga at plus 155. So all those numbers, you remember, if you bet $100, you win the plus amount if they do win the NCAA tournament. So for Gonzaga, you bet $100 for them to be the champions. You get $155 in return. For Oregon State, who is the long shot, you bet $100. If Oregon State wins the championship, you get $5,000. So something to keep in mind while you're searching for a bet. I'll tell you two bets that I have already placed on this board, Kevin, and I would love to get your opinion on it. I am riding two teams in the middle of the pack here. The first is Arkansas, plus 2,000. And this 
is certainly uh, impacted by their path to the championship. I believe if you look at the remaining bracket, uh, I don't want to say they have the easiest road because it's certainly not easy uh, to get to an NCAA championship game. But in terms of the chaos that has happened in the first two rounds and the teams that have exited the tournament already, I think Arkansas has played really good basketball. I mean, they came back against Colgate in the first game. They were down by 15 points or so in the first half, rallied back, uh, and ended up winning that game, I think, by double digits. Um, Then they... uh, you know, did something similar um, in their second round game against Texas Tech. That was kind of a back and forth uh, type game all game long. Uh, they did come back from a lead late and ended up winning by two. Now they've got Oral Roberts, who I know is the darling of the tournament, but I'm kind of betting on their luck to run out. And Arkansas can certainly put the ball in the hoop uh, on pace with Oral Roberts, who has shown that they can score at will. If they win that game, then they play the winner of, uh, you know, Michigan, or excuse me, then they play the winner of uh, Baylor and Villanova. Uh, Baylor's looked all right in this tournament, probably better than I thought they would. Villanova's been a very quiet team so far. I haven't heard a lot of people talking about them because they've just been taking care of business as a five seed. Uh, and then in the bottom half of the bracket, uh, you've got an eight, a 12, an 11, and a two. You've got Loyola, Oregon State, Syracuse, and Houston. All good teams in their own right, but when I'm looking at my path to success here, I think if Arkansas can get past Oral Roberts, play a tough game against Baylor or Villanova, they will be favored in pretty much all all outcomes uh, of the bottom half of the Midwest bracket with Loyola, Chicago, Oregon State, Syracuse, or Houston. I like their chances to go to the Final Four based on those four teams if they are managed to win these next two games. And then my other team, uh, another quiet team that I think has been overperforming and has been very quiet in terms of national attention, Florida State. I think Florida State's played probably two of the best games of the tournament so far that people uh, just really haven't been watching. Uh, Colorado's a really good team another Pac-12 team uh, that they just absolutely manhandled in their last second round game. Uh, and then in the first game, they you know beat UNC Greensboro by 10 like they should. So I like the Seminoles to beat Michigan uh, this upcoming weekend. And then they've got a showdown with either UCLA uh, or Alabama, a- another game where I think they probably will be favored over UCLA, uh, but definitely not favored against Alabama if, I, if I'm projecting that correctly. I think Florida State at plus 1,500 is worth a $20 bet for me uh, to win about $300 or $400. Give me that all day. So if you're looking uh, for a couple of plays to follow along with me, I've already bet on Arkansas plus 2000 to win the tournament from the Sweet 16 position and Florida State plus 1500 Kevin, what do you think about those two bets? And do you have any of your own that you'd like to throw out there? Well, John, I, I was actually, while you were talking about um, Arkansas, I was just thinking, you know who else has a very, very good shot is Florida State, and I was looking at the brackets and watching this team play their game against Colorado, and John, to, to see them play Florida State, they just took it to another level against Colorado. Now, I admittedly had not watched a lot of Colorado. I did not realize how good of a team they actually were, but Florida State, I, they're, they're long, they're athletic, they have height and skill at all five positions. I mean, none of their starters are smaller than six foot five. So they have length all over the floor. They're athletic, and most importantly, they can either score off the bounce, they can pull, or they can pull up and drain a jump shot in your face. And I think that that is going to give Michigan a lot of fits. 
coming up in their game against Florida State. So I think they have an excellent chance to beat Michigan. And as you said, that they kind of, I don't want to say have the smoothest sailing after that because, as you said, they'd have to face the winner of the Alabama game. And if Alabama wins, I know Alabama's looked extremely well, extremely good. But I would like Florida State's chances in that game. As far as Arkansas is concerned, I, again, I find myself agreeing with you because Arkansas is, I don't think a lot of people knew, going into this tournament, they were seventh in the nation in scoring, averaging 82 points a game. And, yeah, they've they've already been battle-tested in this tournament. Again, as you said, coming back from almost a double-digit deficit against Colgate to beating them by double digits. Good, close game against Texas Tech. So they have, they've been battle-tested. I think Oral Roberts' Cinderella story is going to end this weekend. I think Arkansas is going to take care of business. And I definitely do like their chances in that part of the bracket because now the only other team that I can see that can really challenge them at this point is Houston. And Houston's got to go up against a very, very hot Syracuse team, which how Jim Bayheim and his teams are always coached and how they always perform well. Um, the other team that I was looking at, and um, John, I might have to ask you if you could repeat the odds again, is um, Oregon. Um, just as a fan's perspective, not even just a betting perspective, but as a fan's perspective, I think Oregon has a chance to go even further into this tournament. They're very similar to Florida State, in my opinion, that they're all extremely long, extremely lengthy, and extremely skilled and explosive. So that's another team, if, if, if you're doing betting odds, I would also see what your money line is on Oregon because I think that team, they can make a lot of noise. In fact, their entire starting five is averaging double figures, everybody. So in case you want another reason as to why I think Oregon has a pretty decent shot, try try having the lowest average of your starting lineup be 11 points a game. Oregon plus 3,300 to win the national championship. So if you bet $100 and the Ducks get it done, you get 3,300 bucks Back. So a nice pick by Kevin if it hits. Uh, you got to think the Ducks uh, have a little bit of an advantage, right? Because they've got a little bit fresher legs than everybody else. All these teams had to play a first-round game. Oregon did not because of VCU, their opponent, getting a COVID case late into the night before they played. This is State Lines, the Illinois' number one pro football gambling program. We are not talking football this week as we are into the offseason. However, we will be talking a little bit of football offseason season news uh, coming up after the break here where you're going to revisit what we've talked about now for a month it did not happen Bears fans Russell Wilson is not a bear but we do know who is now and boy do we have some underwhelming opinions to share with you after the break on that move you're listening to State Lines I'm John Spataro for Kevin Berger we will be right back it's not quite time for the madness that is college basketball in March, but that doesn't mean the fun has to wait. DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is giving all new players the chance to bet $1 on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. And if your team makes it rain, you cash $100. That's right, all it takes is for one three-pointer being hit by your chosen team to turn $1 into $100. 
Download the DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook app and use code ILSports to get your shot to turn $1 into $100. That's code ILSports for new customers. Only at DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Illinois only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. Winnings paid out in four $25 free bets. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to State Lines. I am John Spataro alongside Kevin Berger filling in for Jason Gotch this week. Jason on vacation, enjoying himself what I'm sure is a nice, relaxing weekend uh, after you know, a big busy weekend in the NCAA tournament, but also a busy weekend because, like we mentioned last week, the NFL season year has flipped over and we are officially into the 2021-2022 NFL season. And while there's been a lot of talk about a lot of different players, it would be hard to say that the name Russell Wilson was not the most talked about among Bears fans for the past month. Unfortunately, we have stopped talking about Russell Wilson here in Chicago and out there in Chicago land, wherever Bears fans are found, because the Bears did not complete a trade for the Seattle quarterback and instead signed Andy Dalton from Cincinnati Bengals fame, most recently a backup quarterback on the Dallas Cowboys. Did get to play a little bit last year because Dak Prescott got hurt, but man, what a 180 it has been for Bears fans who thought we were getting probably a a once-in-a-generation talent from Russell Wilson to a quarterback who statistically is nothing more, if not worse, then Mitch Trubisky, and you had to pay more to get him. Mitch Trubisky obviously signed a contract with the Buffalo Bills in the time that we last had a show, so good riddance or uh, good, you know, fair travels, whatever the other side of that is to Mitch Trubisky, depending on how you feel about him. But Kevin, I just can't help but, you know, think about what Andy Dalton means to the Bears, what the Bears' future looks like, and speaking of future, we could talk about the Bears' futures bets, because uh, believe it or not, I mean, this is actually probably pretty believable if you follow football. When the Bears announced that they signed Andy Dalton, their Super Bowl odds actually went down, which is the sportsbook's ways of saying your team just got worse. The chances that you're going to get to the Super Bowl on the back of Andy Dalton are worse than if you just wrote out Mitch Trubisky. The Bears sit at plus 5,000. If you bet $100 and the Bears win the Super Bowl, you get 5000 Here are some of the teams that are also in that neighborhood. You've got uh, the Minnesota Vikings at plus 5000 so they're essentially even odds to the Bears. The Washington football team, who are plus 5000 essentially even odds to the Bears. The Denver Broncos, who uh, actually ended up picking up Kyle Fuller from the Bears after he was cut earlier this week. I like to think of them as kind of the anti-Bears. They're out there with Vic Fangio, who the Bears could have... Who signed as a head coach over Matt Nagy, but they chose not to. Uh, Vic is now the head coach of the Broncos. He's got his own operation. We'll see how that pans out. Uh, And then, of course, you got the Las Vegas Raiders, plus 6,000, and uh, the Atlanta Falcons at plus 6,600, along with the Giants and the Eagles. Not necessarily the class of the NFL where I'm describing those teams there, Kevin. These are some teams that have a bunch of different issues, most of which revolve around the quarterback, and the Bears have just completely cemented themselves in the lower third of the NFL in terms of odds to win the Super Bowl with this Dalton move. I can't see it any other way. Well, John, I mean, the bottom line is that 
I never believed for a moment uh, that the Bears were actually going to be able to pull this off for Russell Wilson. I know that may make me come off as a little bit of a, a little bit cynical, but I knew this wasn't going to happen, and I'll tell you exactly why. It's because it's the Bears. This is what they do. Everything that makes sense, they seem to do the exact opposite. Instead of trying to go out and try to get a younger quarterback, I mean, first of all, why I never understood why they wanted to go get Russell Wilson when apparently Deshaun Watson was available, at least, at least initially during the summer. Now, I know there's been some other off-the-field issues that have since uh, pretty much put the kibosh on that. But I always said, why are we going to trade the house for Russell Wilson when you could go get someone who's ba- who's almost the same player, only he's significantly younger? Um, in addition to that, I would agree that Andy Dalton is an older, maybe slightly better version of Nick Foles, to be honest. Um, I mean, his the highest passing – I mean, he has thrown for 4,000 yards a couple times, thrown for f- over 4,200 yards a couple of times. Um, but again, I mean, he's never had a fantastic season in all of his, his best year was 33 touchdowns in comparison to 20 interceptions. So he couldn't even manage to get the whole, um, you know, two for one type deal. Um, so I, I would agree with the sports book saying that the bears got worse with the addition of Andy Dalton. And as far as your point asking what the bears future looks like, John, this team has no future. The front office doesn't know what the future looks like. The coaching staff doesn't know what the future looks like, probably because most of them are anticipating them not having jobs at after the end of this season. I don't know why Ryan Pace still has a job at this point. For all the good moves he has done, what such as assigning Akeem Hicks, um, drafting Roquan Smith, finding guys like Adrian Amos in the latter rounds of the draft, drafting Eddie Jackson, a couple other of these depth guys. For every good decision he's made, there's been at least two or three subpar to terrible decisions to go along with it. And I, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. You have a Pro Bowl caliber Kyle Fuller that you mentioned that the Bears, when they said they didn't get any trade offers, they just outright released him. You outright released a Pro Bowl caliber cornerback in his prime. I honestly, I don't believe for a second the Bears actually looked for any serious offers. I don't believe they did it for a second. Um, I don't believe they're actually going to be serious about trying to trade Akeem Hicks because that means they have, that means the front office for the Bears has to put effort in on their part. I don't think they're going to be willing to do that. Um, I saw this morning that the Bears did sign Damian Williams to a one-year deal, of course, because Matt Nagy has to have his Kansas City connection. So uh, they signed former Kansas City running back Damian Will- Williams, who, from what I could tell, is basically a slightly larger version of Tariq Cohen, which to me, the Bears are counting on not having him this season because Tariq Cohen has to recover from a blown-out knee. Um, I th- This is laughable at this point. The, the Bears are supposed to be the founding franchise of the NFL, and instead they're a laughingstock. As for all the teams that you mentioned, I noticed that they that Vegas believes more in Jared Goff than they do in Andy Dalton, which to me that is laughable. That they believe the Detroit Lions, led by Jared Goff, have a better shot at winning the Super Bowl than the Chicago Bears. And that's all I'm gonna say now before I start to get angry and probably pop a blood vessel. 
I don't think that would be a unique situation. If you're a Bears fan out there, you are probably at the point of throwing something against the wall or popping a blood vessel or popping a cold one and just accepting the fact that the Bears are not going to be competing for a Super Bowl this year. You hit on a lot of good things there, Kevin, and I'm not going to pretend to be a cap whiz. You know, there's some guys out there that love to dig into the numbers of contracts and cap space and draft picks and all these things that go into running an NFL team. So I don't know everything about what an NFL contract looks like but I will say Mitch Trubisky signed with the Buffalo Bills for about two or three million dollars whatever it ended up being that's almost three times as much as they signed Andy Dalton for and now that doesn't might not seem like a big deal on paper if you were able to keep your the rest of your finances in order but they had to let Kyle Fuller go one of the bright spots on this team a you know stud on the defensive side of the ball they had to let him go because of cap space and I don't know if it would you know equate cleanly that if they signed Dalton to less money or if they committed less at the quarterback position they would have been able to keep Fuller or anything like that but I can't believe that a team that has its act together and a team with a concrete plan from the bottom to the top would let something like that happen and feel good about it and that's what the Bears really I think is is my biggest sticking point is they're going to try to sell you on they're still going to be competitive Andy Dalton's had you know a 4,000 yard season before like you mentioned he's thrown a bunch of touchdowns in Kansas City he made a bunch of playoff games he hasn't won a playoff game he's on the downside of his career and there was absolutely no reason aside from like a space jam type talent acquisition you know where he touches a football and suddenly becomes Brett Favre or something like that there was no reason for me to be excited for Andy Dalton there was no reason for me to expect that the Bears will do any better than they did last year and maybe the Hallis Hall elite think that last year was some great season where they got out out of the gate hot then they lost you know almost every game towards the end of the season won three games to close out the year and got embarrassed by the Packers and then played a completely meaningless playoff game where they weren't even competitive against the Saints maybe that's what they want maybe that's their version of success they get paid out because they get an extra playoff game on the schedule they, they get to say that they made the playoffs that year maybe that is their version of success but I would guess every Bears fan in the country and in the world would not want a repeat of last season they demand better from this team they demand better from this organization Andy Dalton is simply not better it may be a, a band-aid it may be uh you know a, a better feeling for Matt Nagy if he didn't like Mitch Trubisky for what I would believe were, would be legitimate reasons maybe Nagy feels like he can get more done with Dalton under center but there is no chance in my mind that if it comes down to another game against the Packers or if it comes down to a game against Tom Brady or if it comes down to a game against Patrick Mahomes that they would get embarrassed running out Andy Dalton and this offense in that head-to-head matchup. 10 times out of 10, 100 out of 100, guaranteed. Let's look at that odd, those odds that you mentioned, Kevin, about uh, to win an MVP. Uh, this is an interesting piece of this puzzle because, like you said, uh, the sports books or Las Vegas has more confidence in Jared Goff to win the MVP than Andy Dalton. Uh, Jared Goff, uh, a, a little bit of a favorite. Um but what is interesting at the list that I'm looking at here is Andy Dalton is actually twice as likely, according to Las Vegas, to win the MVP as Mitchell Trubisky. Now, these are long shot odds for both of these guys, and they deserve to be. But Andy Dalton is plus 10,000. 
bet $100. If Andy Dalton becomes the MVP, you get $10,000 in return. Wouldn't that be nice for a lot of different reasons? Mitchell Trubisky, if you bet $100 to win the MVP, and by some grace of the good Lord above, he wins the MVP, you uh, get $20,000 in return. So big money means big odds. But you got to look at it one way. Dalton is twice as likely if you cut that in half. That could be because he's the starter and Mitch is the backup. But if you had to bet on one of these two guys, Kevin, who would you pick? Wow. That is – honestly, I wish there was option C where I could bet on nobody. Um, but if I had to pick between the two of them – to be honest, John, I would probably take Andy Dalton with the sole purpose of that he is guaranteed, at least allegedly guaranteed, to be the starting quarterback um, for the Chicago Bears as opposed to Mitch Trubisky, who I believe has going to have a predefined backup role uh, backing up Josh Allen. Um, honestly, though, I think that Mitch is going to, if he does get the chance to play because of some unfortunate accident to, or injury to happen to Josh Allen, I think he would play better than um, Andy Dalton will on the Bears because, and I'll tell you exactly why, John. I mean, I'll be honest here. Mitch Trubisky did not have a chance from the moment he first got here. From the moment that Ryan Pace saw him and fell, apparently fell in love with him um, to the utter disbelief of anybody else in the Bears organization at the time, did not tell his head coach reportedly that this is who he was going to spend his first round pick on. Uh, Mitch Trubisky was doomed to fail from the moment that he got here because the head coach did not want him here. And I know John Fox nowadays, he gets a lot of flack for um, how he handled his situation with the Bears. Everyone calls him way too old school. They call him out of touch and out of line, etc. But all I do know, John, about John Fox is that he took two separate franchises to the Super Bowl. You do not go to the Super Bowl with two different, completely different franchises by accident. Um, so maybe, just maybe, there was the chance that John Fox saw Mitch Trubisky for what he was, and that's why he didn't want to play him. Um, Mitch, his second year, yeah, he played 15 games, threw for 3,000 yards, 2-1 to intercept, touchdown-interception ratio. But after that, that was when the Bears had something that resembled a running game. And even back then, we were calling their running game terrible. Ever since then, year after year, it's been the same old story. There's no offensive line. The receivers can't get open. Mitch can't read a defense, blah, 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 blah. Never once until this year have people actually questioned Matt Nagy's ability to call plays. Um, I don't think that his offense can work with someone like Mitch Trubisky. And that's ultimately why Mitch Trubisky, I think, was doomed to fail, is his head coach had an ego that he wanted his offense to work. It did not matter who was behind the center, under center. It did not matter what that person's skill set was. He said, I am Matt Nagy. This is my offense. It is going to work, whether I had to put square pegs and round holes or beat my head against the, against a sla uh, against a slab of concrete until it works. And unfortunately, it didn't work. So I believe that Mitch is going to have a much better career now that he is out of Chicago. So back to the odds, I would still say Andy Dalton is going to be better to bet on just because he is going to have the most opportunities to throw the football. But if we're going to ask who is going, who would have a better season if they were both guaranteed to be starters, I would honestly say Mitch 
because Buffalo, I don't think, is going to try to force him to be something that he's not. Where in Chicago, they tried to force him to be something that he's not, and I don't think you're going to be able to get away with doing that to a veteran quarterback like Andy Dalton, who, as you pointed out, yes, he has not won a playoff game, but he's also won as many playoff games as Matt Nagy has as a head coach. So there's that. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of underperforming in the playoffs surrounding this Bears team uh, between the head coach and the quarterback now. And if I could go back to the Russell Wilson situation real quick, the probably the biggest thing and the biggest reason why I wanted that trade to go through was because you would know without a shadow of a doubt if Matt Nagy was a good coach, if he could perform with Russell Wilson. If for whatever reason Wilson took a nosedive without some sort of significant injury, I think it would be pretty clear that Matt Nagy is not cut out to be an NFL play caller and an offensive mind with Russell Wilson behind the the gun if Andy Dalton succeeds I don't know if I feel any better about Matt Nagy or worse I think he is doomed as the Bears coach uh, no matter what happens in this last year of his contract but it's just a shame that yet again we're going to be entering a Bears season with questions about whether or not this team has a, a future in the playoffs or just a bright future in general a young player to get excited about uh, you know the draft is coming up in just a few weeks we could see them make a big move try to trade up into the first round and draft a quarterback off the board that's always a possibility but with Ryan Pace pulling the trigger I would not want that to happen just take a defensive player take an offensive lineman take somebody that you know is going to be good and do not under any circumstances let Ryan Pace mortgage the future of this franchise any more than he has already you're listening to State Lines Illinois' number one pro football gambling program. We're talking a little bit of off-season football right now, but once the season starts back up is when we truly shine and we'll be picking every game uh, coming up in uh, August and September when the football season kicks off once again. To end the show this week, Kevin, I thought we could each take some time to talk about something coming up on the sports calendar that we might be excited about. I'm going to use my time here to talk about the Masters, which kicks off in just two weeks. Uh, uh, this weekend, um, and and it's going to be an exciting tournament uh, for golf fans everywhere. It feels a little different because if you remember, we just had a Masters tournament back in November. Uh, that was delayed, obviously, from the coronavirus from April to November in 2020. But nonetheless, it's time to head to Augusta again. Uh, and I've really enjoyed watching, and I talked about this last show, I've really enjoyed betting on golf recently. And I would invite everybody to, if you haven't gotten into it yet, the Masters is just such an event you know maybe you play in like a master's pick em pool in your office or between your friends uh, so that's a, a reason to watch but just the presentation and the fanfare of the masters always seems to find its way onto my tv no matter what so i'm looking at a couple guys already for the masters tournament they already have odds believe it or not believe it or not up for the masters tournament um and a couple names that i would throw out there jordan spieth if you haven't been watching golf lately this guy is chomping at the bit to get back into the winner circle he's currently playing plus 1400 bet 100 to win $1,400. Uh, if he wins the Masters, he's already won there before. People are ex 
expecting him to crack a leaderboard and a number one spot sooner rather than later. Will it be back at Augusta? I guess we will have to see. Some other guys playing really good golf lately. Lee Westwood, plus 2,500. Uh, he's old, quote-unquote, by golf standards uh, on the PGA Tour. He's in his late 40s, but uh, you wouldn't know it by looking at him. He went toe-to-toe with Bryson DeChambeau at Bay Hill, uh, ended up coming in second in that tournament, and then he was leading again on, on Sunday, uh, Sunday morning in the Players' Championship, ultimately losing to Justin Thomas, who played an incredible round at uh, uh, TPC Sawgrass to win his first Players' Championship. Lee Westwood at plus 2,500, bet 100 to win 2,500. Like that guy a lot, like the way that he's playing, might be worth a shot if you're looking to bet on Mr. Westwood at Augusta. And then finally, a name that I think a lot of people are going to be throwing out as a pseudo long shot, but a guy that just has winning written all over him, and I think it's going to happen pretty soon, Victor Hovland at plus 3,300, bet 100 to win 3,300. He is a great young player out of Oklahoma State. I believe he's Norwegian, and he just has everything in his bag uh, to take care of business at Augusta. I am looking forward to seeing him blossom into a serious contender in every major, but recently... Again, playing some really good golf, and I, I would take a look at him if you're looking for a little bit of a, a, a longer shot deeper down the odds list for the Masters. But as always, uh, I remind people, when you're betting on golf or when you're betting on anything here in the state of Illinois, you could, one, put a single dollar on any of these guys to win. Uh, you don't win the full amount of the plus 3,300, but if you bet $1, you'd win $33. So that's still a, a, you know 33 times your money. It's not uh, too bad if you're looking to play low stakes watch some golf, and have some fun. And as always, we play responsibly here at State Lines. Kevin, I know you mentioned uh, a couple NBA storylines. We don't really talk a lot about the NBA here on State Lines so far, so I will open up the floor to you. What's going on in the NBA specifically with the situation with LeBron James? Well, well, John, I mean, it, it was actually – It's. It, I know – a lot of people have been given uh, LeBron James flack for it on uh, on Twitter and Facebook. There's been tons of memes and stuff like that. But um, LeBron James, John, is expected to miss about the next three to four weeks with a rather serious um, ankle injury. It's been uh, classified as a high ankle sprain, um, which especially for a basketball player like LeBron James, who he relies just as much even in his mid to mid-30s, on his explosiveness to the basket. Um, it, a high ankle sprain, it's a very, very serious ankle injury, especially for a basketball player where there is a lot of running, cutting, sudden changing a direction. And he is expected to miss at least the next three to four weeks. Um, so that is a pretty significant blow for the Los Angeles Lakers, who as um, in case I, in case we need to remind everyone, they're already down Anthony Davis, who's still ha- who's still fighting um, a calf injury. So with Anthony Davis already being out, um, and LeBron James now going down, uh, John, this has pretty significantly um, exposed the weakness of this Lakers team. Is they have essentially no depth. Now they they have no depth. I mean, their best players now are probably Kyle Kuzma and um of the veteran point guard uh, Dennis Schroeder, who I mean that they're nice player, they're nice complimentary pieces, but that's all they are. They're complimentary pieces. This those are not the guys you want to be your best players if you anticipate making a serious 
NBA title run. I mean, yes, they also have Montrez Harrell, who won sixth man of the year last year. But the rest of the roster, all it is is pretty much veterans and veteran journeymen for the most part. Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Harrell, Dennis Schroeder, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Markeith Morris, Wesley Matthews, Marcus Saul. So, I mean, there's some names in there that if you're a big basketball fan like me, you'd, you'd be able to recognize. But for the most part, John, it's... The, the, the Lakers have been pretty exposed now, and I'm trying to find the odds to see if they were affected to win the NBA championship. It doesn't look like they have been because, obviously, we anticipate both LeBron and Anthony Davis both being healthy by the time the playoffs roll around. But it's just a very interesting storyline to keep in mind. Um, also, there have been a lot of rumblings that James Harden has, again, proven that he should be considered one of the best two guards and one of the best players in the league, John, with basically him. He's basically had to play most of this season without Kyrie Irving, without Kevin Durant, because they've both been out for various reasons and injury. Kyrie Irving's out for the, out for the next three games because he has uh, some family matters and some personal issues that are going on. So whatever it is, I hope that he gets those resolved and hope everything's all right because you never want to see someone have to go through anything of the sort. But James Harden's been another person that has increasingly – kind of more or less t- shown the rest of the NBA that maybe Houston really didn't know what they were losing because now Houston, in case anyone hasn't been paying attention, Houston has completely gone down the toilet that they're they're one of the worst teams in the NBA right now. So that's v- some very interesting storylines to keep in mind, and I personally look forward to the second half of the season and um, to see who's going to end up where and hopefully get some good playoff basketball. Yes, it's an exciting time in the NBA uh, here in Illinois specifically because it looks like the Bulls are going to at least be close, if not uh, guaranteed, to make the playoffs as a deep seed in the East for the first time in quite some time. One last bet to throw out there that I think has some value if you are an NBA fan. Unfortunately, he will not be on the court anymore this year. LaMelo Ball, the uh, star guard from the Charlotte Hornets, obviously uh, son in the infamous or famous, however you view them, Ball family with his brother Lonzo and his dad LeVar. Uh, He is plus 145 to win Rookie of the Year. He had an astounding start to his NBA career. He's averaging double digits uh, in points and I believe just below in assists. He is a very productive player in limited minutes. He did have a wrist injury that will put him out for the rest of the year. However, at a plus valuation there, meaning if you bet 100, you win 145, that might be worth a look because I think he had done enough in the games that he did play in to cement himself as the rookie of the year. It's all up to the media and the voters to decide who they think will be the rookie of the year. But from what I can see I have a feeling that he is going to win the award no matter what even if he doesn't play another minute this year so that might be worth something to look at if you are an NBA fan this let me start that again that will do it for us here on State Lines, Illinois' number one pro football gambling program. We are not in the NFL season, but we roll on talking about things like the NCAA tournament, the Bears signing Nick Foles, which is NFL news as it is a no offseason league, talked a little golf, and of course, some NBA to close it out. We will be back in just a few weeks to talk about the Masters tournament, the fallout of the NCAA tournament, and everything else going on in the world of sports here in Illinois. 
Illinois. For Kevin Berger, sitting in for Jason Gotch, I am John Spataro. Thank you for listening, and we will catch you next time. This show is for entertainment purposes only. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER.